Hello and welcome to your agenda for the 15th of January 2024. I am again your substitute teacher, Grim McKay, and I'm joined by not the OG agenda crew, but just about nowadays. It's first of all, Alan Edgar, how are you on? Good morning, Graham. I'm good. Um, um, I'm looking forward to this. It's been a few hours since we've caught up. And on the other side, we have Colin Keane. How are you, Colin? Not bad. Not bad for such an unholy time. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> I would I would just like to mention that the unholy time that's mentioned is uh, nine minutes past ten my time, nine minutes past nine their time. It's 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 a, it's a normal working day. But well, l- listen, like what? Right, you get your early birds and you get your night owls. But what if you like to have a lie in and go to bed early? Uh, what's the name for that? Just lazy, I think. Alan, any, anything? You got it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that sums up nicely. <laughs> I'm just an it, like people 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 call me lazy, but I'm just an eight hour person. So whenever I go to bed, eight hours later, that's when you can wake me up. That's as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Alan, I wanted to talk to you about a, a passing in your life, Bill Belichick. Let's start with that, because Gal's not here to edit this shit, so let's talk about NFL. Bill Belichick, tell us about him. Yeah, once once great manager of the New England Patriots is, is no longer. Um, it's, it's very much like a January, January mid-winter break for us to discuss NFL, Graham. Uh, I was disappointed, actually. I was quite, I was quite sad that he... He has left uh, 24 years he was at the helm, so the whole time I've actually watched NFL, he's been the coach, so mm. uh, it'll be interesting to see what's next. I don't know, really know how you follow an act that big, I'm sure. Um, I think it'll be difficult. I'm sure the New England Patriots took advice though from the Celtic hierarchy on how to mm. appropriately source a new manager, so I'm sure they looked through their contacts book and seen who they had and who they had before, and that's exactly what it did. And who is currently in the toilets or the bathroom at the moment? Are you quite are you kind of mildly mildly excited about this as well? Because I know even when Celtic get a new manager, even if you like the manager that's been replaced, you kind of you have a little bit of excitement about what's going to come forward. Yeah, there's there's an optimism that comes with it. I yeah, looking forward to hopefully an uptick because my Patriots have been pretty poor for the last three four years. So there's a there is an optimism that comes with it, but people probably know with the American draft system. It's kind of built to try and make it fairer. Um, so the Patriots have had a really, really good run for a long time. So what probably comes next is a very, very lean run for quite a long time. So mm. um, optimistic, but tempered optimism. And at the moment, we've got the AFCON and the Asian Cup. Are either of you watching any of the games in that so far? Any enjoyment so far from the, 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 the competitions? I haven't seen anything, but I, um, it's not... It's not readily available for me um i haven't seen sort of any way to actually watch it so but i hear the japan game was the japan game yesterday sounded like a bit of a a bit of a good one i mean if they don't take take kobayashi they don't take my heart as far as i'm concerned <laughs> uh, what about you Alan? yeah I, I tuned in for a little bit of the um the japan game yesterday because i, I thought well, i thought my either certainly would have got a run at some point, um, but he never got on. Beyond that, it seems to have started a little bit slowly. Um, so I haven't watched any of AFCON yet. I'll wait until that kind of heats up a little bit, um, and I'll watch that. And then I watched the um, Spanish Super Cup final last night, actually. I watched I watched it up until about an hour when it was fairly clear that Madrid were coasting. Um, mm. And then I switched off like the big child that I am, because it was enough. 
I think that's the way everyone should watch football. Just watch it until you're in the half and then then, <laughs> then leave, if that's possible. Uh, so I've got an opening question for you. And because, as I said, Gal's not going to edit this, and because I'm usually on my bullshit on a Monday on the game plan, I'm going to bring my bullshit to the agenda. So... Not even a weather report, Graham. This is so rude. <laughs> the weather for me is fucking up snow and minus four or something. So I don't know. Is it any better in Scotland? Not much. No, I've got a bit of snow. Quite cold. Alan, what about yourself? Snowy, and I'm going to take a guess that it's pretty cold. I have been outside, but it looks it looks pretty cold. I'm going to say canvas lang, quote unquote. The east, the what south side of Glasgow, Gal calls it, is going to be snowy as well. So. Right, given we have recalled Adam Montgomery, who looks like a club-trained, half-decent prospect, and given Greg Taylor is inverting more and looking more like his previous self, and given Royal Chops and Burnaby are different shades of shape, and given Alistair Johnson has started this season like a competition winner, is signing a right-back a more pressing priority than a left-back? There you go. What are we going to make of that question? It sounds... Like you, this, this just sounds like you getting your own prejudices in. To be honest, uh, this is what this next hour is going to be. So it's just <laughs> strap yourself. Well written question. I'll give you that. <clears throat> Very well written. Did you like, like your and Givens? Yeah, it's it's like you're hosting a Sunday morning uh, talk show on BBC BBC Two. Um, <laughs> I think there is a need clearly for, for fullbacks, talented fullbacks at Celtic. Um, I, I think you're right, Arthur Johnson's had a really, really tough year. I think the timing of his injury certainly didn't help, but his, his standard has been well below what we came to expect um, when he came in last January. Um, and Greg Taylor, there has been improvement in recent weeks, but I, I'm probably quite careful about any player that's improved over the, the kind of period well after we you know exited Europe, I think your standards change a little bit. You don't have those European games to match yourself against. You know the, the run of four games was really positive, twelve points from twelve, including a win over Rangers is great. But there is still a pressing need to improve the first team, and I think that does include left back, goalkeeper, um, obviously winger is, is positive, but. I think full-backs, if, you, if you're talking about trying to compete, if we win the league this year and, and we do go into European competition next year at the highest level, I think there will be a need to recruit in both those areas, whether it's for replacements or whether it's for competition is maybe a bit more up for debate. I think both areas, there is a clear need for improvement um, if you want to compete at the highest level in Europe. But between now and you know May, I don't doubt both of those players have the ability to step up the levels and get back to their best. But I think you'd probably go back into that cycle again when you face European competition next year. You can't win with one player and hope that he, A, remains fit, and B, that he's good enough to get by. I, I think I've seen enough of that kind of mindset from Celtic in recent years in Europe, to be honest. What about yourself, Colin? What do you think of my biased question? I think, <laughs> I think the key thing for me is that with, with AJ's kind of drop-off in form, uh, it's probably a result of not having... The right kind of competition, um, and I actually, th- I actually quite like Adam Montgomery. Uh, so, you know, I don't know how he got away, uh, got on in his his loan spell. Maybe that's something you guys know more about than me. But um, I think bringing him back sort of 
makes a lot of sense. And um, yeah, so you you may have a point uh, because I just think as much as I like Ralston, from a sentimental point of view, uh, he's obviously not providing the competition that's kind of because I mean, Johnson's definitely not been as as good as we've seen him, but uh, he's not in any he's, he's not in any danger of losing his jersey. So uh, yeah, you may be, you maybe have a point, and as much as it pains me to say it, I mean, Christian never tells me I've got a point. So <laughs> this is we started well so far in the Monday. <laughs> Alan. I think the, the, the chat is with Montgomery though that he is going to go out on another loan to I think Motherwell um, I had seen reported last night um, as well which I think that's probably he's maybe going down that similar route that we have of players who to be fair have actually come in and done quite well if you look at Stephen Welsh I think he was out in three or four loans um, just in Scotland before he kind of finally got his opportunity in the first team so I think we do have the mindset of if a player at the age of 18 isn't, you know, on the fringes of the Celtic first team, 18, 19, you know, it goes back to that kind of Mark Lennie era of mm. if a player was 21 and he, he wasn't anywhere near the first team, then he, he wasn't going to make an impact. But you know, Adam Montgomery's, I think he's, what, 20 now? Um, probably another, you know, four or five months out alone and then take a view then. I think he is quite a bit shy, to be honest, of the standard that we're looking for. But what he probably needs to do is play football and get some different experiences under his belt. So I think it is easier for us to track him, you know, as fans when you know, he's playing in the domestic league. So it will be interesting, but um, I, I do think that he is one that probably, you know, having very tempered expectations of, but you do need to have them going out and developing and playing because the one thing we're quite bad at, I think, is yeah. having players in the squad that just don't contribute at all and they just sit and stagnate until eventually they leave in a free or they, you know, something else kind of works out for them. I, I don't think that's good enough for players. And Montgomery's clearly a player that can play. This is where they can play here. I think that's maybe a bit... Uh, I mean, when you think of, like, uh, Benfica, for example, if we'd had someone like Jota in the ranks for years until he was in the 20s, we, uh, the whole fan base would have been calling for him to leave. So it's just it's interesting to how different teams uh, handled youth development. Do you think, uh, Colin, do you think there's anything in the fact that we've brought him closer, Adam Montgomery? Do you think there's anything in that? The fact we had, obviously he was out on loan, he was getting games at Fleetwood. Do you think there's anything in the fact that we've brought him closer, brought him to, I would would like to think, a a, a tougher standard of football? Is there anything in that, do you think? Yeah, I mean, as uh, Alan says, it's easier to kind of keep tabs when it's in the same, uh, in the same league. So, um, and also getting used to that, getting back because I mean he played at St Johnston before, mm-hmm. um, and I think he, I think he did really well. Um, so I'd be interested to see what kind of, I think you need to sort of see. I mean, obviously League One is different um, from the Scottish Premiership, so I would say that that it's maybe just a, I mean, I, just a way of kind of actually seeing how he's improved. And how he competes against the teams that we'll be seeing domestically, and uh, as you say, you know, like Europe uh, is a bit of a fever dream further in the year. So um, maybe we'll see if we've got something that. Because I mean, the thing is, we, we quite often talk about people being good enough, but sometimes it requires uh, being thrown in, and uh, hopefully he's learned enough that when he is eventually thrown in when he comes back, because I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of. I mean, we've put a lot of stock into this January transfer window and I'm still very dubious that we'll see a lot of incomings. I think um, 
hopefully we'll see some outgoings, but uh, I don't I, I don't think we'll be seeing like all these kind of nice sh- shiny new players for the uh, our problem positions. So uh, Brendan Brian Montgomery back into Scotland, yeah, I think it's just going to be how how's he improved and how how is how is he performing in this league, and then maybe we'll see him sooner than later. Aye, and like we've got some links uh, this morning that we're not going to get into too much because they're quite tenuous and they're kind of uh, uh, we haven't had a chance to kind of look at the players. But there's a couple of players uh, mentioned from England and there's a, a left back from uh, Poland mentioned who takes free kicks and uh, I'm all for that. Uh, we haven't had a chance to look at them, but sign them up. Uh, if you, I, I want. I'm from the era of uh, Shilavert where goalkeepers were scoring free kicks, Alan. I think you'll probably rem- remember that. Uh, um, any position scoring free kicks, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, there is a bit of a need, I think, for a set-piece specialist, or certainly a set-piece specialist that is good enough to start um, or even come on as a sub, to be fair. Um, I, th- I don't know if it used as well. Obviously, we, we like to look at how... You know how strong the links are, how good the player. It's just nice to see different names linked. To be honest, I, I don't know if you do the same with the. Uh, if it makes the standard of the BBC gossip column, then it's a good start to your day. If I see mm-hmm. Celtic in there linked with a player coming in, I'm usually quite excited. I think my first reaction to any transfer link is usually good. I'm glad there's a name linked, and then you can go down the route of thinking it might actually be a wee bit shy, but. Having a new, fresh aim is, a, is certainly a good start, so it is encouraging. I think I'm probably someone like, I'd like to see, I'm realistic, I think too, if you get two players in this window that can contribute to the first team between now and the end of May, I think that would be, given a recent history, I think that would be success in this window. Yeah, I don't care if they're shite, as long as they're all shite. Hey, Colin, what do you make of the, these kind of tenuous links so far? Yeah, I mean, there's just not been a lot of movement Across the leagues, you know, there's not really been, I mean, I think I've seen some people complaining that there's not been much action and I do share those frustrations, but it's really, um, it's kind of like a molasses uh, transfer window so far. Uh, yeah, always, uh, it's always fun to kind of look at the the sort of the prospect, look at the sizzle reel, you know, all that kind of good stuff. But I mean, we've been fooled by these things countless times. <laughs> And um, going back to like dead ball specialists, is like you know, like we were led to believe that Palma was like um, a dead ball specialist, and I've seen him take literally a million corners and uh, a success <laughs> rate. Different dead balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I I I don't want to come across as the the hardened pragmatist, but um, I'm really stealing myself for a a, a relatively unchanged uh, starting eleven, but like. Uh, but I, I'm prepared to be um, bowled over. The thing I don't get about this uh, Polish left back that we're not going to actually mention his name because no, no one on the podcast. We can't say it. I don't even have it written in front of me. But the, the fact he scored like five free kicks in 19 games this season, I can't remember the last time Celtic had five like direct free kicks within a season. I mean, it just doesn't seem to happen anymore. We don't seem to have... We don't even seem to have that kind of discussion in the stands where you think, oh, who's going to take this? Because it just we don't seem to get free kicks. I'm not saying that's a conspiracy, but it probably is. Uh, but it's I think there's maybe a different way of defending now, Alan, that we don't seem to get as many just free kicks round about the edge of the box anymore. Yeah, that, I don't know. I feel that we do get enough free kicks. We're just not particularly 
good with them. I think corners are a little bit different. I, I think set pieces, I think we have been fairly dangerous from corners. We've actually scored quite a few from corners. There does seem to be a wee bit of movement there, an improvement in attacking set pieces. We do get a lot of corners though, which is probably helps, I think, what in the Dundee game alone, I think we ended up with a... Uh, well, a lot. I'm not going to guess a figure because I might get it ludicrously high. But um, yeah, there's, there's been an uptick there. But it's it would be handy if we had someone that could... We don't have that out and out, that guy that win the ball. You know, when you get a free kick in that area, it's their ball and there's no dispute. Now you get a wee bit of chat. Matt O'Reilly gets involved, Palmer, David Turnbull. But you don't have that out and out. What we need is a free kick alpha, basically. That's, that's exactly what we need. So that would be a oh. start. Starting there with the old 4chan chat. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Matt O'Reilly and the idea of Alphas, did, uh, Colin, did you see the, the lads on holiday? I just wish it was somewhere more interesting than Dubai. What, what did you make of the pictures? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, to be honest, I want to focus on the on the lads that went to Iceland. That that gave me a little <laughs> bit of... That, that made me warm inside because, yeah, going to Dubai is just... Uh, it's There's just something like... It's like you've got loads of money, you can go anywhere in the world and you just go to this kind of plastic kind of destination. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, the Iceland, let's let's focus on the, the wholesome Iceland pictures. Uh, what was it like? Because Palma was there with, uh, was Matt really there? In Iceland? No, he was I in saw Dubai. Johnson. Also Johnson, it was Alistair Johnson, yeah. And Palma as well, I think I saw him beside a geezer and it wasn't, and it wasn't just Anthony Johnson. I like the idea that you, as as someone like Lewis Palmer, uh, moving to Europe, go to Greece first of all, and then and then go to Scotland, where the where the winters are the summer, all all year weather is terrible, and then think where can we go that's worse than this at this time of year? We'll go to Iceland. Cold weather uh, training, that's uh, yeah, harden yourself up. Aye, exactly, exactly. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, I mean, I, I think Alan. Some people have been talking about. Um, the pictures with regards to Bernardo being in the in the in, literally in the picture uh, when it comes to Dubai is that something you would take as a, a as a good thing that you think this is maybe and uh, I mean obviously it's Matt O'Reilly is not the forefront of Celtic's transfer negotiations but the fact that he's kind of like uh, palling around with Bernardo and taking him to to Dubai is that something you like to see when it comes to loan loan players. It's, it's good that he's kind of blending in with the, with the first team. We'd probably not care a jot much about that, to be fair, if he hadn't um, well, started performing. If if he put in the same kind of performances in you know, those last three games that he had in his first four months, then I don't think, I think we'd be sitting here going, you know, why, why did they even take him? Um, so it's good that he's obviously popular. He's, you know, but I, I think over the years, when you think about it, there's been quite a lot of players as well that, you've seen that are kind of on the fringes and, you know, they're still very popular. It's just a squad dynamics, I think. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, if you go back to right at the start of the season, even it was Matt Riley, was, you know, David Turnbull was a toast of, you know, the team, you know, with that kind of that performance in the home game against Aberdeen. I think uh, it's just you make friends whether they're playing or not. I think it's you kind of got to realise it's, it's a job for these guys. So that's good that he's there. When you score a goal against Rangers, then it buys you a lot of leeway, so you can do what you like. Um, but I wouldn't. I, I don't think I'd read too much in him. I would like to think that he only got the the holiday because of his goals. Uh, Colin, would you would you make it? Oh, well, I mean, the, uh, you can tell there's no football. 
<laughs> but like um, the main concern, Tara's main concern was that Tony Ralston had his daughter with him and uh, she just was maybe doubting his ability to put on the right uh, level of sun protection. Uh, so that that was her main concern. But yeah, I mean, it's like, um, at least they weren't, like, it didn't look like they were sinking loads of pints. So let's just hope they're all in, they're all being very well behaved and come back in tip top condition. Yeah, I like the the idea of the how am I doing boss meme with uh, Neil Lennon in the clouds when it comes to Dubai. <laughs> I think that'd be good. And as someone as someone that's forty one at the moment, I I still struggle with the fact the factor thing. I, I just go for the highest number I can see in the supermarket. And you, la- just just what one factor for every year. So uh... <laughs> yeah, factor fifty three six five for me. Uh, this is your agenda for the week. We are going to have uh, on Wednesday. We're going to have the midweek report. Thursday, we're going to have the, the women's uh, show. Uh, and we're also going to have the weekly. And Friday, we're going to have the, the weekend update, or as I like to call it, the update. And uh, Saturday, we're finally we're finally back in action. We're going to have the reaction to Celtic is demolition of uh, Bucky Fissel. Let's, let's, be, let's be positive. And then on Sunday, we're going to have the, the transfer committee. So I think they're going to do a deep dive on some of the players linked. Uh, we have stolen some of that information for this week. Uh, we're going to be looking at. Could... I think the game is Sunday this week, as well. Actually, so that that might be subject to change. I would imagine, unless we want to do a reaction in advance, which I would be all for, quite frankly. That could be a good feature. So, so I wanted. Usually, I bury Gal in these uh, these times. That I'm given given the mantle because he doesn't he doesn't give me enough preparation. But this time, I looked up the the schedule that he sent me. I actually googled it while you were talking. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna just. I'm, I'm going to just say what's on the schedule because I don't want to bury Gal because he's on holiday. And on the schedule, he's got Bucky Fissel for the Saturday. So, I mean, he's buried himself, if anything, I would say. He's buried himself. Hey, good luck to, to Gal and Claire and Madeira. It looks lovely. Lots of clouds. That's 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 my impression from the photos. Right, let's get to, get to the stuff for this week because we're going to... I love how we've been like filibustering for like half an hour when I've got like six pages of uh, stuff to talk about in front of me. But we've been linked with uh, Jesse Lingard. So, Alan, I think this is well. I'm not going to. I'm not going to put any words in your mouth. What do you make of the, the link to Jesse Lingard? Well, I wish you went to Colin first, to be honest, because I don't want to come across as a a, a very sullen, yeah, mid-thirty-year-old to. That, who doesn't understand social media, etc. Which I mean is entirely true. To be fair, I genuinely don't. Um, yeah, I, if someone comes in and they can add to this team, quite frankly, you can do what you like. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's the type of player that we're probably going to be going after for for this kind of window. Um, I would be concerned about a player that hasn't kicked a ball um, for quite some time as well. I don't know how strong the links are. Um, but and I don't, to be honest, I don't see us paying anywhere near the kind of wage that a player like that would probably be looking for, irrespective of the fact that he hasn't kicked a ball for quite some time. Um, so it does feel a little bit like just a rumour. Um, but I will say, if you come in and you can do a job and you can score goals, then quite frankly, I, I couldn't care less what your social media content is like or what you like off the field, because it is ultimately just about winning. Um I do reserve the right, though, to, you know, 
I'm playing like hell if, if he comes in and he doesn't contribute to the first team and then your social media content absolutely becomes the reason that we, as you say, Graham, um, bury you. But yeah, I, I feel like this one's maybe not quite going to happen. I, don't, I, I just don't get that impression that it's within Celtic's kind of budget. I don't see he's going to break the mid structure for, for that player necessarily. So I don't, uh, I don't think we need to worry too much in the short term. I love how you gave the caveats for social media there when... Uh... I asked Gal if I could use the Riverside for this recording, and he said eh, Alan can barely understand Zoom. Never mind Riverside. So I, I, I love the idea. You're giving the caveat out when you can barely understand the technology that we're using at the moment. I'm still getting, still getting used to the Zoom. Still getting used to the Zoom. <laughs> I love that in front of it, Colin. Would you make a link up? Um, <clears throat> let me remind you of a little player called Freddy Lundberg uh, <laughs> who signed in. The winter, the, ja- the January spoiled. window, and yeah, I, d- I don't see it. I mean, it, it's like um, Lingard's, uh, you know, he's a attacking midfielder, I guess. Um, and as you say, he hasn't, and, and even on a, on a free, you know, we've seen with like you know Aaron Moy took a long time to you know sort of get back to match fitness, and he apparently kept himself fit as well. And this is the thing that you know you read about. It's just that he's kept himself in top condition. You need to, you need to be playing competitive football, uh, and this sounds like very much like the kind of thing you would do to get you over the line for a title challenge. Um, so I just think it's rather fanciful. Um, I just uh, yeah, I, I I think it's one of these things like you see a free agent with with like some teams like Manu and uh, was it. Villa or West Ham he played for as well. West Ham and then Forest. Yeah, West Ham Forest. And but I mean like like his time at Forest, you know, he he didn't seem particularly effective. Um and even though they, they are, you know, obviously they were sort of not having as much of the ball and would be more sort of defensive because they were sort of lingering in the lower parts of the Prem. But uh yeah, I don't know. I, I I just don't really see it. I don't really see the need because also if he comes in, um I just think there's there's a, we've got not a, a, an overabundance, but we've got a pretty good uh, wealth of talent in, in the midfield at the moment um, with the aforementioned Bernardo coming on a game and Hattati coming back. So I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a wee bit like pre-agent. Here's a link. Celtic and Rangers are interested in I don't think we'll see it. When it, when it comes to that idea of uh, kind of coming out of the cold, Alan, uh... Someone uh, this week, Jaden Sancho, uh, came back to the Bundesliga. He came on in the 55th minute, which I think was quite surprising for a lot of people when they made an assist as well for Dortmund, uh, considering he's basically been playing FIFA for the last uh, 12 months at uh, Man United. Is there something nowadays where you think that players are are better at just at doing what I said, they're coming in from the cold because of the intensity of training? Or do you think it's just... It's just different players are going to be uh, easier up to kind of speed when it comes to playing football. Yeah, I think it's different for someone like, like Sancho because he probably is well aware that, you know, he would be called upon. He's a player with real value. You know, he's, what, 23, 24. Um, you know, he's obviously had a tough time at Man United, you know, falling out of favour with the manager. But he's well aware that he has a value and that, you know, top sides in Europe would want him. So he's probably kept himself ticking over. He's just not match sharp. He's not, doesn't have that, you know, that kind of, 
that ability to probably play ninety minutes and get to the level he's at. But in terms of his physical condition and shape, I'm, I'm assuming he's you know he's he's ready to go. I think Lingard's a little bit different. Um, firstly, he's not twenty three, twenty four. He's what thirty. Um, he's more of a kind of utility type player as well. I think so. I, I think the, to be honest, I think you're discussing two vastly different prospects here. Jaden Sancho, tough time, but fundamentally still a winger with real quality and on the up. Jesse Lingard's a player that hasn't had a club for six months and probably been relying on his own independent training program. I'm sure he's in. Uh, I'm sure he's fit and you know available, but whether he's you know he's, he's not Jaden Sancho. I, I don't want to be too harsh, and I'll add, I did watch him. I did see a video of him dancing Times Square before, and I thought my head was going to explode. So he's obviously available, and um, I just don't think he's you know I don't think he's a, necessarily a top player. He, he had a really good year at West Ham under David Moyes. Beyond that, he's found himself in and out of squads, not necessarily in favour. So I think there is always the excitement of, you know, a player that has Premier League experience, you know, first team Premier League experience. But I don't know if it's the type of player that we need. Um, I certainly don't know. I don't actually know what his favourite position is. I could easily see him playing in that midfield three or playing as a kind of winger as well. But where he goes in and guarantees his place, I think it's just, yeah, I just feel like it's, it's not one necessarily for us that's... Um, you know, it's quite out there, but I'm sure he could come in and I'm sure he'd be fine doing a bleep test. I don't think there'd be any doubt about that type of level of fitness, but, you know, his, his contribution to the first team over like in a six-month period, I'm not sure if it's what we'd be looking for. Bleep test is my uh, Vietnam, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, I, I, When's the last I, time you did a bleep, a bleep test, Graham? I think six years at school. Uh, I remember two two guys getting down to the, the, the two guys getting down to the final and uh, going on for fucking hours, and I was not one of those guys. I was just watching. One of the guys was a golfer actually, so he was he got his fitness from walking about golf courses. So take take from that what you will. Um, I, I I tried to I tried to kind of get a. I, I tried to put Quan's name into Quan like a prawn cocktail, so like Quan cocktail uh, prawn. Cocktail, but it didn't ever work. But we're going to talk about Quan, uh, Colin, and he has gone to Motherwell. No, he's going to Simon. And uh, the reason I'm thinking about Motherwell is because I'm thinking about that player that we had. Who's the English guy that we had? We got from Sheffield Wednesday that we sent to Motherwell. Either of you know his name? Remember his name? Shaw. Shaw. Liam Shaw. And I want to figure out if this guy, Quan, is going to be a Liam Shaw or he's going to be a Christopher Iyer. Uh, because we've sent him to Sitman and uh, Stephen Robinson has uh, some nice things to say about him. He said, quote, he's a player that comes highly recommended. Celtic were very keen for him to come to us, which is a compliment to the coaching staff here. Or they just wanted him out of the building. That's my, my addition to that. He's played a lot of games in South Korea and was signed by Celtic for big money. It was an area we needed to strengthen the midfield and with Keanu away at the Asian Cup. It was important that we strengthened there. We believe that he will come in and add that strength. He breaks up play really well and he can start play really well for us as well. Lots of wells in there. And maybe that's why I was thinking about Motherwell. <laughs> I've had some good conversations with Brendan Rogers about him. We're delighted to have him in. So my question to you, Colin, is this a case of let's get this guy out the building or is this a case of We've brought this guy in from South Korea. We need to give him some minutes in this league to see if he can actually get up to speed. What do you, what do you reckon about this loan move? Better column A, better column B. I mean, it's. I mean, he came from the second tier of uh, the Korean leagues. Um, he 
obviously talked a good game. I think we've talked a good game in getting him over to St. Mirren by the sounds of it. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's very, very good. Yeah, you're, you're fitting right, right in. Um, so, yeah, I think it's kind of like, yeah, let, I mean, he's here. He's he's uh, he, he's in the country. We've brought him in. We have paid a bit of money. So let's actually see what he can do and see if he can improve and see if he can fulfill his uh, the promise that he seems to think he has. So, um, yeah, I'm just... Um, I think it's it makes sense. I think St. Mirren uh, are a, a team that are maybe falling away a wee bit, maybe need a wee bit of reinforcement um, after after sort of quite a bright start. Um, so, yeah, maybe it could do well for them. And uh, as commentators are always saying, he won't be able to play against his parent club, so we don't need to fear uh, playing against him. So um yeah, I think it sounds like a good move. And if he and if he stiffs at St. Mirren, then that's your that's your answer and bye bye. <laughs> I mean that that idea of giving basically strengthening the other teams against Rangers, Alan, that's it. that's something that we've all kind of thought about for a long time and it doesn't seem to happen very often. But we've loaned someone to another team in the SPFL. Um what 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 are your hopes for this loan move? Do you think it is, as I said to Colin, a case of getting out of the building, or do you think it's something else? I, th- I think it is. You need to trim down that first team squad at Lennox Town. I mean, your calendar behind you, Graham, that has three players in January, confirms that we have far too big a squad. Um, and uh, there is a need to get players out the door. I think it's been mentioned. I think the manager actually mentioned it as well, that it's, it's important. I think he briefed out they wanted between five and eight potentially out the door. So it's a start. It's it, I mean, it's a pretty decent loan for him, in fairness. I, I think the interesting thing will be, I know that Bacchus is away with Australian. Um, I think he played actually on Friday or Saturday, started for Australia. And you would imagine that he'd be away for quite some time. It'll be interesting to see if Quan is the go-to. You know, when they assess him in training, do they throw him in? Is he the direct replacement or is he going to have to kind of earn the stripes a little bit? Um it will be interesting. I don't have high expectations at all for Quan, having seen him um, for 45 minutes against um, Mobile. I know that people think that's a very small sample size, and it is. If you were there and you did watch it, you'd feel like you've seen more than enough. Um, I'm glad he's not training at Lennox Town. I don't want to be overly harsh on him, but he looks like a kind of clumsy type of player that I could see injuring one of our star players because he's just so far off it. Um, so good luck to him. I, um, I'm sure he'll do well. I, I, I don't have... I don't expect him to be a player that comes back and makes a big impact. But again, going back to the conversation about players stagnating, there's no point in him being at Lennox Town training every day, you know, just being part of the team if he's not going to contribute. He needs to go out and find his way. So it's good, you know, I dare say it will be quite a a learning experience for him. And, you know, we can keep tabs on him and see how he's getting on. But I get the impression he's not going to make a big impact at Celtic when he returns in um, in May or June. I just love the the idea of... uh... Fans walking up to a friendly, like, oh, this game doesn't really matter. It's good to welcome the, the Basque boys over. And then Quinn passes to their attack, and you're like, fucking get him out of this club. And that a makes it rough, rough, rough day for him. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this, and I was exactly the same. I'm like, this guy can't play professional football in a friendly against uh, Bilbo. So. There, there's, a few pl- there's a few players like that. Um, I know our first team at the moment, I probably wouldn't name them. Some actually probably have played a lot more football. But the chances of making a contribution to the team are usually hampered by their involvement in the team. And that's never a compliment <laughs> when um, playing actually tends to harm your chances of developing the Celtic. Um, like one definitely fits into that bill. Right. Like, I like the theory. I like the theory of uh, F. Ambrose much more than reality of uh, F. Ambrose. 
I, I still talk about him because I use uh, Celtic v Barcelona as an example when I'm teaching. And so Effie Ambrose comes up for me on a yearly basis, uh, which is which is quite alarming, I would say. Love Effie, love him. Big Effie. What, what a boy. Uh, we're going to talk about, I'm going to say Kun, Kun. I don't know how you want to, how, how are we pronouncing this guy? Kun, I guess. Kun. See, see, for me, the, the, the you would have umlauts if it was Kun. So oh, the fact okay. it doesn't makes it sound cun for me. I don't know. Alan, do you want, do you want to pipe in on this? I'll, I'll wait until Celtic TV um, ask him <laughs> or someone tweets him asking him before I dive into footy tier and make an error. Or Paul Carlin texts us all. <laughs> Give us a connection. From my uh, vast experience of uh, being in this country for going on 16 years, I'm going to say cun. Uh, which I'm, I'm not comfortable with. I'm not. I'm not comfortable with that coming out of my mouth. Uh, but we're going to say "can" uh, for for now. I asked uh, Christian. Christian is uh, has prepared quite a lot for the the transfer committee on uh, kind of the signings that were linked with uh, the signings that are looking a bit more realistic, and also looking at goalkeepers that are that are possible to bring in their price range. And I asked him just to give us a kind of uh, lowdown on this guy because he's he's he's, quite, he's watched quite a lot of uh, rapid vena uh, footage over the last uh, few weeks, and uh, I, I shared with you guys uh, his thoughts. Colin, w- what's the first thing that you took away from what I sent over with regards to what uh, Christian said about this this guy coming in? Uh, I think it's a right winger, a natural right winger with a left foot. Um... That seems to be something that we're kind of maybe crying out for. And the other thing is his shot select shot selection seems quite uh is it, the the shot selection implies that he has got good decision making. Uh, he's not just kind of cutting in and lamping it uh, as soon as he's kind of you know remotely sees the goal. So um I think they're quite encouraging. Uh, aspects and just yeah that right wing I, th- I feel like um, with I mean who's I mean it's like I think James Forrest good servant for the club but I think you know like you know we're going to see less and less of him uh, and Abada's you know Abada's future seems to be sort of up for debate um, but also I find him intensely uh Annoying at times. Um, and frustrating things, young man. A frustrating young man, and um, like sorry, but I was I was watching, uh, watched about the Spurs game last night, and um, uh, the kid uh, Brendan, uh, who's in the right wing, what's his name, Ben Johnson, uh, reminds me a lot of no. Abada. Like he's just like he he seems to have, uh, and. It was amazing that I was watching a completely different team and I was getting annoyed about Abada. So that says a lot about me, I guess. But um, yeah, so I, I think, yeah, the sort of decision-making, shot selection, natural right-winger, uh, right age, you know, sort of good, good age is like 24. So yeah, um, all like the Magic 8 ball uh, for me seems all signs point to yes. Uh, he is 24. He's not played many games uh, for this level. Kind of similar to Jota and uh, Paulo Bernardo in that way, uh, Alan. Uh, Christian describes him as basically being a German Paddy Roberts. And uh, I think just from speaking to him, his impression is that he would come in and be the, the best winger at the club 
uh, alongside Maeda. Uh, is is that something that excites you? Do you think? I mean, obviously, Gal got uh, shit on uh, social media for for basically saying we need more wingers when we've got about seventeen million at the club. What what do you make of the signing? Is that is this a problem position for you? And what do you make of the kind of the 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 look of Con, con so far? I've asked I've asked Kristen. I've sent her a, a message can, saying, "Can you send a voice note pronouncing this name?" So we, we may get it on the podcast. We'll, we'll see. Um, the, I, I don't know if I would describe it as a... Well, probably it would be a, maybe not quite a problem position, but you can have as many wingers as you like. If you don't trust them to make a big impact in big games, then you know, you're going to have to bring someone else in. I, I think the, you know, without even... Nate, there, there is a need for quality. Um, I'm a slightly concerned that when he comes in, he's going to almost see all the excitement over the left-hand side and think, I quite fancy playing on the left. There seems to be mm-hmm. that knack that we have that all of the wingers are actually better on the left-hand side. So it is encouraging if he is a natural right winger. I, I like the I like the option that it would give us if we have to, you know, a natural left winger in Louis Palmer and a natural right winger um, in the new guy. It then gives you the option with Dyson Maida because Dyson Maida is such a flexible player. He's... I think he's indispensable in, in certain types of game um, because of his ability, you know, on both sides of the ball. But he's not a natural right winger. I think you've seen him struggle in that kind of area. So when he comes back, it gives you the, the flexibility of deploying him exactly how you would like, you know, tactically if need be. So I think that is encouraging. Um, and, I, and I hope he can make an impact. There is a clear need for some quality um, out there. I think Leila Bad obviously, he's been out for quite some time. There seems to be a hell of a lot of briefing going on about his future, and um, whether it's mm-hmm. short term or long term. Um, I, I don't have any insight into that, but it's, it's clearly coming from somewhere. So I think there could be, um, you know, that that may be one that long term that there isn't a future there. So I think you're going to have to recruit there. You can't be relying on players who you've given a lot of game time to in the first half of the season. I think Yang is a player who I, I really like. I think there's a lot of encouraging things there. I think he needs to go and learn and make mistakes elsewhere um, it's somewhat out of that kind of spotlight because he is raw but he does have real real talent and I think there's other guys that are the best years at Celtic are probably behind them um, you know James Forrest Mikey Johnson I just don't think you can necessarily rely on them as first team wingers um, to make a big contribution so yeah I, I'm excited by it I think there is a I don't think this is a player that I, I think I get the kind of impression that he's not going to be one maybe similar to Palmer that he doesn't come in and within a year and a half you make 20, 25 million on him. But he's a player who can make a big first team contribution and I'm quite content with that, to be honest. I think, you know, sometimes that works out well for us. So hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully he can hit the ground running. And again, the key marker for players that we sign in January is you need to be able to make a contribution between now and the end of May, not six months bedding in and then a big player for next year. You need to be able to make a contribution. Um, so hopefully he will. I think that's the problem with a lot of uh, Celtic signings because we don't have them for long. If if they they make a big impact, we we, we maybe have them for two and a half years, and that's something we're going to maybe talk about later on in the podcast. But you, you mentioned uh, M Johnson, and uh, I'm going to make a, um, a fantastic segue to talk about another M Johnson, Max Johnson, who's at Stumbrats, and he said. But I came up against Kun when he played rapid, when we played rapid, and technically he's very good. But the thing I remember most about him is how quick he is. He definitely has pace and he's had a really good season here so far. If he sends for Celtic and brings those qualities, I'm sure he'll do well there. Uh, so, I mean, everything 
it's it's all coming up Millhouse regarding uh, Cun. I, I've actually I've actually got a message back from Kristen, so I'll see if I can play this voice note to see what his name actually is. Um, let me see. Let me let me know if you can hear this. Yeah. Did you hear that? So it's pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's 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 in between the kun and the cun. It's it's in between the kun. I think the, is his the, first name Nicholas. I think I'll be the first to call I'm going to call him the big kahuna burger. That's uh, <laughs> that's going to be my. Yeah. I, I think... we, we needed a new Nick after Nick Hammond, so <laughs> he can he can fill that um, he can fill that void for us. I think for us, we are really struggling because it's so close to the C word and it's so close to the H word. <laughs> we just don't want to say anything. So we're going to say Nicholas. Uh, so the, the new signing from uh, Rapid Vienna. Uh, let's let's move on to talking about uh, transfers in general because Paul Lambert was quoted this week. He said, quote, the club must uh, make tried and tested players a priori- priority in the transfer window this month. And it got me thinking because I was I was listening to the the work day and uh, Barry was talking about would, would asking basically would Jota be regarded as tried and tested tested, and um, I was thinking about how recently I, I I think I said to Kieran that I thought when it came to Celtic we had to basically sign ragged dolls. It was like players that came in and just had some kind of defect in them because that's the only reason we would get them. And thinking about tried and tested in general, when you look at someone like Modric who went to to Chelsea, looking at that kind of that kind of, if you took his name away from it and just thought of someone playing in the Ukrainian league, someone with a, a few games of Champions League experience into the national team, how much would you think Celtic would pay for him? You would not think about the Chelsea money involved. And I saw, uh, I think it was one one of the other. And I know there's other Celtic podcasts apparently, but one of the other Celtic podcasts was talking about us signing uh, Rooney from uh, Copenhagen, and that's complete la la land. I mean, uh, if you can think that if you think that we've got the money to take someone like Rooney from Copenhagen, then I want what you're on, uh, 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 because it's just not going to happen. Alan, I'm going to go to you first. What What do you think realistically Celtic in 2024? When it comes to tried and tested, what does that look like when it comes to signings? I, th- I think uh, tried and tested. I, I think as a player that has has made a contribution, um, you know, to not even I mean one of the top five leagues. I think is unlikely, but a player that has played competitive football week in week out, not to underplay the standard of a league. But I'm sometimes alarmed by the fact that we sign players. And they don't have the ability to play, you know, a home game against Ross County without, you know, having, you know, feeling like they're a liability. I was talking yesterday, <clears throat> sorry about about Burnaby, and I think it's a real indictment of him, his standard, how he's settled in here and on the club, but mainly on the club, that you don't feel that he's suitable to rotate out to give Greg Taylor a rest in home games. Now, that's that's a that's a a real worry for a player you paid £4 million for. Um, so I think when you're looking at what we're trying to get, what we're trying to bring in, I think someone, I think Palmer's a, I think Palmer's a really good example of that um, <laughs> raggy doll analogy. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've got a future as a sporting director or as a negotiator. <laughs> um, I don't know if you're quite selling the selling the move to players, but that's a player that has, has made an impact here. Um, he's 
probably not. Um, you know, he's not going to be that Jota style of twenty-five million and going to the top leagues. But he's a player that can really make a big contribution here. He has deficiencies in his game, and they're probably you know things that other clubs have looked at and decided why he's not suitable for them. But it's about look, looking at exactly what we need, what you know we need to add to our squad. And I think if you can get players that that have that, that maybe you know without being you know a downbeat, some players aren't going to go and be a top level player in the English Premier League or they're not going to get that huge move but that doesn't mean to say they can't make a big contribution here and I'm hopeful that um, you know, Nick from Rapid is, does fit that bill of a player that will make a real impact here he has experience I know, he, you know he's not got three, 400 appearances under his belt but he's a player that has made an impact he can come in he's, he's match fit he's sharp and he's playing at a decent level and I think when you think about the makeup of our you know, fixture list between now and the end of May. I think a player like that should have the capability to come in and handle that quite comfortably. There's bigger questions then that come when we start talking about European games, but that is a problem for next year. So I think when Paul Lambert talks about tried and tested, it doesn't mean that it needs to be a player that's played, you know, top, you know, has played in La Liga, Serie A. I think I probably agree with you. I think that's unrealistic given our budget. Whereas, you know, Greece, Austria... These are markets that are much more amenable to a club like us and a club like our budget. And I think it's about trying to find your I think it's about trying to find your way within that kind of European pecking order. The exception to that comes when you do see a player and Jota fits into that bill of he ha- he isn't tried and tested, but there is clearly incredible ability there. But that does take a little bit more work and it's about not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I think we have as a fan base now, there's kind of almost like a slight aversion to projects now. We still want project players because they are, that's where value is. But it's maybe just about looking at this window and saying you don't have the ability necessarily to bring in two or three project players this window and, you know, still do your business elsewhere. So I think this window, there is a kind of look at, look, you need to beef up your squad so that you can win the league this year. That's what the priority one is. If we get that done by mid January, it's not looking likely, then maybe you can, you know, look a bit further and stretch that, you know, transfer policy out a little bit. But I, I don't think we've got the, I don't think we have the manpower to do to have two or three games in a January window. I just think that's unrealistic for us at the moment. I, I mean, when it, when it comes to this this idea, what's Alan? What's the the film with uh, Kevin Costner about the, the, the trading uh, NFL players in the last day? Can you remember the name of that film? No, no. Um, Field of Field of Dreams, or is that Field- a baseball one? We'll, we'll just call it field. It's not field dreams. We'll just call it that. We'll call it a uh, water world. It's it's basically it's it, it's a guy. It's in charge of an NFL team, and he's doing like last second trades of, of of players, and he's been told to go for this number one prospect because they're first in the draft, and he, he just has a feeling there's something wrong with this player, and he, he's trying to kind of get to kind of realize what's what's wrong with the player. Why 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 is that player getting offered to them? Colin, when it comes to Players like uh, Con, Nico, Nicky, Nicholas. Uh, we we basically have to make sure that we're doing our due diligence to to ensure that even if this player has been, he's been the the, the thing about this guy is that he's been signed by big teams. He's been signed by Ajax. He's been signed by Bayern. He's been signed by Leipzig. But he's been let go by these three teams as well, and we need to kind of. We need to find out why he was signed and why he was let go, and it's all about Celtic being diligent enough to to do that kind of research beforehand. 
Yeah, and also I, I think the main thing uh, is that Celtic has to be the right fit for the player at the time, and that's I think that's why Jota. Were, I mean, Jota's a bit of an outlier, but it the, the move to Celtic suited him, and it gave him a platform. And what he did with it, that's neither here nor there. But um, he came in. The club really uh, was a perfect fit at the time, and he flourished and also came with a pretty hefty price tag, let's not forget. Um, but yeah, the due diligence is the, is the thing that you, you do worry about because we do feel, uh, it does feel that we kind of do sign a lot of players that don't fit the club and what the what our style of play is. So, I mean, if you look at Lagerbielka, who's obviously got um, definite qualities, but his uh, his time at Celtic has, has been you know, been blunt has been a failure. But I mean, I think there, I think we could all see there's there's positives there. But he's just the wrong type of player at the wrong time. Um, so it's really about the faith in that scouting network and what we're looking for. Because I also think that the kind of constant, you know, the hammering the word quality has kind of muddied the waters a wee bit because we don't really know what that means. Um, I think before Brendan Rodgers came back, we were sort of, thinking that he quality would be him spending a lot of money on players just because they'd played down south uh, and were maybe past their best there and we would pick them up. And that's why things like Jesse Lingard kind of give me the fear a wee bit because he seems to fit that profile a wee bit. Um, yeah, so it's just like, it's really the, is the player going to fit into what we're trying to do football-wise and does it make sense for them for their pro- the progression the career because let's face it like you know it's we're going to get the best players if they're viewing it as a stepping stone something bigger so um that's just the thing and i feel that we've had a lot of misses and i know that not every signing works out um but i feel like we've had a lot of misses more recently than hits so um and there's as far as i know there's not been a lot of change in the structure of how we scout and sign players um so i think yeah i i just think that by the end of this window maybe we'll know more about what quality is in our context are you suggesting that asking the guy who is owed 10 percent of a future transfer fee whether his client is good enough is 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 a bad way of doing signings is, is that what you're suggesting colin I couldn't possibly comment, Graham. Uh, that that's, that sounds like something for my lawyer to uh, get involved with. So for everyone screaming at their headphones, the film was Draft Day, which uh, I mean, never heard of it. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's. I was close with Waterworld, but uh, Draft Day is the name of the Kevin Costner film. I was it's just surprised film. Kevin Costner had made a film in the last ten years. That's. that's... He's, he's very very much into Yellowstone nowadays. Uh, uh, Alan Yellowstone fan. I, I haven't watched it. I, I think my Kevin Costner knowledge starts and ends with The Untouchables, where there's a, a very long scene where Sean Connery dies. So if you're interested in seeing a <laughs> famous Rangers fan passing away live on screen, then uh, The Untouchables is your movie. And he was supposed to be doing an Irish accent at the time as well. But yes. It's, <laughs> it's is, bad that's up. Is, uh, is Yellowstone like a gritty reboot of Yogi Bear? Because otherwise I'm not interested. <laughs> No, no, it's very much uh, kind of Montana ranches, that kind of thing. It's it's like it's like Sopranos for the Republicans, basically. But uh, but also kind of like it. But, but we've got you. You've tried to kind of uh, 
make this uh, podcast run over, Colin, because you were fearing the you were fearing the quiz. That the quiz is here and it is. Damn, getting... I even read up about financial fair play regulations. So I would avoid <laughs> this, but like, oh, there you go. <laughs> we've been going. We've been going for over an hour, and uh, we, we were too, too, there was too much filibustering because we, we, we like, actually like fuck it. Mr. Oh, Kearney it, goes to Washington. Gal's not here. I I need to be in my class in one hour and ten minutes. But fuck it, we're going to talk briefly about financial fair play, fair play, because. I don't. People are probably looking at it and thinking, "How does this affect Celtic?" And it, it will affect Celtic in, in certain ways because, essentially, Newcastle have been told that they need to calm their jets. They can't spend as much money as they want because they have to be not losing a certain amount over a three three year period. And this has come out where Eddie Howe is essentially saying that uh, they're being muzzled, and uh, I think the fans are thinking that they're being muzzled as well. And it reminded me of uh, recently Hanover '96 in, in Germany. The, the the guy that owns that has been kind of uh, remonstrating against the the rules in Germany because uh, every, probably everyone knows that they have the fifty plus one rule, where they can't have a big investment from overseas or for, from anywhere basically. And uh, what he what he was saying was it's a a way to keep the status quo. And I think Newcastle fans are probably experiencing that at the moment. Aston Villa fans are maybe experiencing that. They've broken to the, the top six, but they can't really do the spending of the top six because they don't have the revenue of the top six. And uh, I think clubs all over the world are are thinking this is a way of keeping what I regard as the Super League clubs in in position of being in the Super League. So I'll come to you, Colin, because you've you've done research for this, obviously. Get to the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you what do you make of this? Is is this a way of keeping the the kind of uh, the clubs? Uh, the way I, I I put it in the notes is that the clubs that got in, on board and pulled the ladder up in in, in the the two thousands, basically your Chelsea's, for example, who were not a big club. At, at any point, Man City not a big club, but they've they've got on board of the big club boat and they've pulled the ladder up. But what do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, it, it essentially even with the kind of rules, it's you know, teams, clubs with massive investment will either find a way around because Chelsea, um, ex- like just because of the the way it kind of works out, they just worked out big eight year contracts so they could basically signing a billion pounds worth of players. And um, I think the thing is, is like, it's the whole, um, the main thing, if you look at where Chelsea actually are um, in, in the table, it's just like, you can throw money at a problem, but like, it's such a distorted market now that, you know, even with massive, massive spend, you can, you know, sort of break into like the sort of, Top six of the of the English Premier League, and um, and also teams will be investigated. But I mean, it's just like I mean, Everton got docked ten points, but they're still going to stay up because the teams that are coming up from the Championship, uh, it takes it's such a learning process that it's it's very very difficult for them to stay up. Um, so bigger clubs can absorb the the punishments that are kind of meted out. And it does kind of maintain the status quo, as you say. And also, I feel like, uh, as a as a general result, the kind of the 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 value of players is exaggerated. Uh, pe- people are getting, you know, are greedier and greedier. And you, you see, like players 
that I mean, uh, what's your man uh, that Brighton sold Chelsea? Casino, uh, uh, yeah. Um, you know, he was a hundred million, and I'm sorry, but like, you know, like he's not a hundred million pound player. Um, and yeah, so I, I think I think like there's there I think regulation is like is important to sort of uh, stop this complete super club thing you're talking about, but it's obviously not working. So, and um, when I look at the German uh, league, I mean the fifty plus one thing sounds dreamy, you know. It's a, and uh, and a lot of people say the quality of football, you know, I don't watch it regularly, but like the quality of football is really good and uh, and the fan experience is great and it sounds like something I would really like to see in this country. But um but then you've got German teams who feel that they're getting left out because of it. So uh, I just feel like we're I mean it's it's the same with society in general, um with the kind of large stages of capitalism. It just feels also uh gloomy and disastrous and uh and it's just pandering to the rich and the rich get away with whatever they want so I don't really uh, even with these kind of uh, things in place I think we need something more rigorous and more fair but I don't know if we'll ever see it Alan did you think we're going to be talking about late stage capitalism on a Monday morning on the the agenda and also uh, what are your thoughts about this I mean just because they were late bringing this in doesn't mean it's wrong to bring it in now like I mean we 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 probably should have had these regulations when teams like Man City and uh, Chelsea were were uh, riding basically, <laughs> but uh, we have it now and that's probably a good thing. Yeah, I, I I think that's it. I think Colin's last point um, about wealthy clubs, capitalist owners doing what they want. I think that largely is they are the ones that will be at the forefront of these discussions for any, you know, change in European landscape. It will be largely to include and suit them because they want them appeased. They want clubs like Man City, you know, Real Madrid, etc. They want these clubs to be part of whatever the next step of European football is. I think the interesting thing for us is what the ripple effects are and how that does impact Celtic, you know, as a club further down that food chain. There is a... <clears throat> There is a kind of appeasement that, that goes on to try and I think that the, they use the description legacy clubs to uh, that Celtic were included within that. You know, basically clubs that aren't at the top table but have a big fan base and can bring loads of customers with them that will blindly pay 40 quid, 50 quid, potentially even more to go and watch us get, you know, a drubbing at the Bernabeu. That is exactly what the um, owners will like. So I think it is interesting. I, I don't have any sympathy, to be honest, for particularly for the English clubs like Everton, who feel they've been very hard done by. Um, if you waste the amount of money that they've wasted over the years, then quite frankly, you deserve a points deduction. So I, I have absolutely no sympathy whatsoever. Um, and I think there'll be a lot more English clubs that, that, that feel the pinch of that. Um it's, it's been English football has changed dramatically to the extent it's no longer recognisable for um, for the average football fan. So I really have no sympathy there at all. All I'm interested in is how that change in landscape suits Celtic. And for all the criticism that we do have of the club and a lot of criticism of Peter Lowell and guys like that, the one element that we do seem to um, be kind of involved within is that reconstruction of European football. And we seem to be part of those discussions to try and uh, presumably try and 
get us a free pass for at least some period of time. So you can take from that what you will. But um, yeah, uh, all I'm interested is in how it changes that kind of wider football landscape. And it certainly the transfer market is the biggest element for that because it has had a, I wouldn't say a crippling effect on us, but it certainly has changed it. You look at the quality of player that we sign now compared to probably what we could have signed in 2000, 2001. It's worlds apart. Um, a player like Henrik Larson at Celtic now, the idea of having him for six you know, years, seven years, is just non-existent now. And that is because the life-changing sums of money that are available to players, it's too tempting pretty much within a year and a half of them you know, being a success here. And it's just about how we adjust to that and how we adapt. I, I think I could. I think I could be more sympathetic to these clubs if they were well run in the first place. Like, for example, if Everton had spent their money in a, a wise way over the last ten years, and even just looking at Germany, like I think Wolfsburg have the same uh, budget as Atletico Madrid. And uh, if you look at uh, Wolfsburg over the last ten years and Atletico Madrid, you would see that they've obviously not done the same, not the same imprint in in football. And even just looking at Dortmund, I mean, Dortmund last season, I think they will have PTSD for a long time about last season, how it ended. And uh, it's again, it's coming back to it. Like if it was a team like Leverkusen for me coming forward and saying this is unfair, I could say I could take that and say, OK, Leverkusen, you've spent money wisely over the last 20 years. You know what's happening in football. But when these clubs like Everton come forward, just just like, come on, man, you, you need to yeah. get your house in order before we get the uh, football in order. But we're going to move on to a quiz, and uh, there's no need to fear this quiz because it's it's a, it's a fun quiz for me because I'm doing I'm doing the, the questioning, and it's one of those quizzes where basically you just have to name a bunch of things. So, for example, I will say to you, "Give me ten things you love about Glasgow," and you will start. Alan, you will say one thing. Colin, you will say one thing. Back and forth, back and forth, and if someone pauses and can't give me something, then I'll give you seven seconds. And after seven seconds, if you don't have something, the other person wins a point. Does that make sense? Sort of. I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of like word association. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's more specific. So, for example, the first question is, goal scorers on route to and including Seville. So there's a list of 10 possible players that scored on in that campaign. We go back and forward until one person can't give me another name and then the other person will get the point so let's start there we'll start with you Alan goal scorers en route to and including Seville and this includes the Champions League qualifiers that happened that season as well so until when you can't give my name I'll start counting seven six etc and then we'll go from there so Alan goal scorers en route to and including Seville Henrik Larsson okay Colin Seven, um, six, five, four, three, two, one. I didn't. I didn't think that was going to be the first hurdle. No, I just, I just like honestly, my my brain just seizes <laughs> up as soon as quiz comes into the fucking. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so we had ten possible. We had uh, Larson, Sutton, Momo, Silla, Petrov, Lambert, Hartson, Useful, Heron. David Fernandez, uh, Sean Maloney, and Alan Thompson. Okay, so we'll, we'll take that as. Oh. So uh, Mo, Alan, Mo Sellers was the the volley against Basel. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what a goal that was. I wouldn't <laughs> get David Fernandez. I definitely wouldn't get David Fernandez. He was away to Sadova after we basically 
pumped him in the first leg. Right. It was yeah. it was one of those things where like Jimmy Johnson was told he didn't have to travel if they, if we did in the first leg, and we we, we sent over the reserves. But yeah, so we'll do we'll do. I'm I'm using a yellow pen and white paper for for some reason, but we'll do one for Alan at the moment, and then we'll see how we get on, Colin. Right, we'll start with you this time. Signings made in the summer transfer window when going for the 10. So Neil Lennon's last summer transfer window. Why, 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 why would you do that? I I wanted to remind people of the 10th season on a Monday morning. So the seven players that Neil Lennon signed in that summer transfer window. And Colin, we'll start with you. Um, Seven, six. I can see uh, Laxalt. Okay, Alan. Shane Duffy. Okay, back to you, Colin. Um, is that Turnbull? Yep. Ayeti. Yep. Um, Barkas. Yep. <laughs> Two more. Seven, six, five. Greg Taylor. No. No. And uh, Colin gets a point, so Oof, one each. There was two more. It was Molly the Boy, Molly Alanusa, and uh, I can't believe you forgot him. John, big John Joe Kenny. What, what, what classic signing that was. So. I'm glad you brought his name up on a Monday morning <laughs> to start the week. Yeah. Laxal, Shane Duffy, place this is not ending well. You thought the late stage <laughs> capitalism was depressing? Well, <laughs> what, what a transfer window. Right, so we're going to go back. This is we're going back to to Brian's era. We're going to be looking, thinking about the centenary season, That's... and <laughs> we've got sixteen players from that season that made more than ten league appearances. So sixteen players that made more than ten league appearances, and we're back to you, Alan. Paul McStay. Paul McStay. There we go. Peter Grant. Peter Pointer. Yes. Aki Bonner. Taki Bonner. He actually only made 32 appearances that season because we had another... No, it's more than 10, Graham. That's more than 10, Graham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, back to you, Carl. Uh, Roy Aitken. Roy Aitken, third most appearances. Andy Walker. Andy Walker, fourth most appearances and most goals that season. Um, Simon Donnelly. Simon Donnelly, no. He, no, he was, he's later, right? He was... Uh, he was born. I was going to say he was a, a yeah. thought in his daddy's eye, but he was born. At he was, but no, knocking about in the pampers at that age. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was in the pampers. He's not yeah. aged well. Let's put it that way. I asked my brother about this, and he said Paul Elliott as well. And I think he was playing at Chelsea at that point. But <laughs> neither of you got the, the so the most appearances that season was Paul McStay and one other player. Can Alan? Can you give me the other player? You're not going to get any points for this, but. Nah, if there's no points, I'm not playing. Was Danny McGrain still playing? (laughs) It was uh, Chris Morris. Chris Morris got 42 appearances that season. Right, so we're 2-1, Alan. Uh, Moving on to the number 17 for Celtic. So Big Mike is the current uh, Celtic number 17. And there's been 11 other players that have had the 17 at Celtic. Colin, let's start with you. Celtic number 17. He is peace, man. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, number 17, uh, Lustig. Lustig, no, Alan, you, Alan, can you give me number 17? Did he get? 
There you go. There we go. Right. So it's three one Allen. You could have had a uh, big green at Morton as I've written. Big V Ghost. David Hanna, Rico, Ian Wright, Stephen Presley, Mark Croesas, Pavel Brozek. I'm disappointed calling never give me Pavel Brozek. Uh, Amido fucking Balde, Ryan Christie and Jota. Oh, number Celtics. Uh, I mean, Celtic to be fair, I, I'd have trouble at this time of morning naming members of my extended family. <laughs> <laughs> right. Next they're all question. members of the Celtic family, Colin, so they're all extended family. Exactly. That's exactly. a lovely way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> so teams Celtic have faced in the group stages of the Europa League. So there's 22. And uh, one of the things that was kind of stark looking at this is that we've only qualified three times out of eight occasions being in the Europa League group stages, which is freaking just... It's terrible, to be honest. But we've, we've faced 22 different teams in the Europa League. So, Colin... No, I went to you last time. Alan, give me a team that Celtic have faced in the Europa League group stages. Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid, there we go. Colin? Sevilla. Sevilla is not one of the teams we Jesus faced. Christ. I thought this quiz was going to be a lot longer than this, to be honest. But <laughs> Alan, can you give me another to, to confirm your point? Uh, I'll be Salzburg. Abbey Salzburg, there we go. You could have had Happy Old Tel Aviv, Rapid Vienna, Hamburg, Udinese, Rennes, Salzburg, Zagreb, Astra from Romania, Molda, Fedebacci, Ajax, Leipzig, Rosenberg, Kluj, Lazio, Milan, Leo, Sparta, Prague, Leverkusen, Betis and Ferris Varnas. Okay, right. So, for some... To, to, you're not, you can't win at this stage, Colin, but we're going to give you some pride back here. No. Eight players that have played for Celtic and been capped for Northern Ireland. Uh, Northern Ireland. Um, yeah. Fuck me. Seven, um, six, five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> it was mentioned already in this podcast, Alan. Neil Lennon. Neil Lennon, there we go. <laughs> I was going to say Neil Lennon. Who was, we... was the goalkeeper? Uh, McGovern? No, no, no. McGovern. He ended up with quite a lot of John, McKnight. John Paul McGovern. Oh, John Paul no, McGovern. No. No, did he actually play for Celtic? But did he play in a game? I think he must have got an appearance at some point, but he ended yeah. up having quite a lot of caps, I think, for Northern Ireland. Uh, yeah, he went to St. Johnson after us or something, and then ended up in England or something. Uh, yeah. That's what I was named at Crops Up. You could have had, of course, Pad McCourt, McGinn, Bertie Peacock, Anton Rogan, uh, or current manager's favourite ever Celtic player, and uh, Charlie Tully as well. So. Now, now, now that you've mentioned Bertie Peacock, I'm going to have to text Barry and get him to send me a voice note of him saying Bertie Peacock in the Hugh McIlvanny voice because it is <laughs> first class, quite frankly. So I'll be sending that text immediately. My my mum's family are peacocks, so I come. I'm a I'm a half peacock, so there you go. I don't know what that makes me. I'm, I'm a half. I'm a cock, basically. That's what I'm saying. I'm a, either I'm a pea <laughs> or I'm a cock. You make your mind up, uh, Colin. I think we can have a podcast with you just having meltdowns with quizzes. I think that could be. That could be. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you, uh, I would direct anybody towards uh, House of Tim's uh, <laughs> if you want maximum lols. I just I I just crumble under pressure in these things. I'm sorry. And I, I, I thought, like when when you when you told me about your apprehension last night about quizzes, I thought, okay, he's probably someone that's maybe thinks about modern Celtic, maybe doesn't have a view of the past, but 
I didn't expect this full blown anxiety as soon as a question happens. Come. Yeah, I, yeah. I just, I just can't, I just can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's, even my specialist subjects, I would be, I'd be hard pushed. So, uh, yeah. Sorry, everyone. But I mean, it's, it gives everybody something to laugh at, right? Yeah, I would, I would just love uh, like a who wants to be a millionaire and the, the phone you and it's just thirty seconds of silence after they ask you the question. Oh, oh, I know this one. Oh. <laughs> I've actually uh, got I've actually got quite a wide uh, general knowledge, believe it or not. I just have poor recall, so there we go. I mean, of course, you would say that. Colin, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'd like to say the same thing, but it's been an absolute <laughs> living nightmare. Thank you very much. And Alan, we got to we got to think about John Kenny on a Monday morning. How did you feel about that? Not good. The last time I seen his name, it was on a Celtic website, and they were printing one of his a pair of his boots signed. And it was reduced to, I think, 250 quid from 500, which seems optimistic. <laughs> um, somebody snapped him up because it's not on there anymore because I've had checks. So, yeah, somebody owns a signed pair of John Joe Kenny's football boots. And is wearing them to five sides. I've been your host, Grim McKay. They've been Alan and Colin. This has been the Agenda, and we'll catch you down the road. <laughs>